going on, you guys? My name is Matt. I'm Gabe. And welcome back to another episode of the Tenego Bob podcast. And today we've got something a little interesting for you guys. So I'll let Gabe actually just introduce the band real quick. Yeah, so uh, today we're going to be going over the new The Plot in You record entitled Swan Song. This uh, album released September 17th, 2021 on Fearless Records. And The Plot in You is Landon Tours on vocals, guitars, and keyboard production, Ethan Yoder on bass, Josh Lewis Childress on guitars, and Michael Cooper on drums. And uh, let's just hop right into it. Matt, why don't you tell me your first impressions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, initial listen to this record is I was getting a lot of resemblance to Post Malone um, in some of the delivery of the songs and just the, uh, especially the slower tempoed songs. Mm-hmm. But there was also a little bit of uh, metalcore, a little bit of pop punk, a little bit of rock vibes kind of mixed in. So I kind of looked at this as a little bit of a Post Malone core kind of vibe, um, which I've been hearing little bits of other new music coming out and it almost sounds like this may be a possible new direction for the metalcore scene um but before i get on a tangent on that is uh what were your first impressions uh so overall i really like this album uh, i've been a fan of the plot and you since i saw them live when they were supporting could you watch your children burn which is the album they released in 2013 since then they've drastically changed their sound in the direction that it is today back then it was a lot more of the um like heavy breakdowns, straight metal core, just mm-hmm. as we would expect in 2013. And um, in 2018 was when they really shifted it. Um, in between Could You Watch Your Children Burn and their 2018 album Dispose, they had uh, Happiness and Self-Destruction, which began seeing kind of the direction that they were going to go. Mm-hmm. And Dispose was fully into it. And uh, this album was a really good blend between the pre-Dispose area, Dispose era and um, the and the dispose era of the plot in you. Okay. And I was a big fan of the shift, even over their previous stuff. Okay. I was I was very excited about it. Yeah, P- plot in you is one of the bands I've known the name of for a long time. It's just I never really sat down and listened to them, and I think it's just. I kind of found my little music bubble and just kind of stuck with it. And I think I also found a, an issue where there were just so many bands that felt like they were just cheap knockoffs of Asking Alexandria that I, you know, I had ventured out a little bit. But again, it was just like I was finding a bunch of cheap knockoffs. So I just I just didn't want to venture out because I was likely to be disappointed. Asking I think that was kind of my cheap knockoff of the plot in you. They may have formed <laughs> later, but I don't care. <laughs> um, musical review, um, kind of like what I was uh, seeing in the first impressions is Post Malone vibes continue. The We get, again, the metalcore aspects mixed in, and thankfully it feels really natural. Songs, uh, I'm sorry, portions of songs will get pretty heavy, but the additional elements allow each of the songs from getting stagnant. So again, having that metalcore mix in that pop punk um the um even slightly hardcore just because of the um you know the hardcore for metalcore and the rock vibes kind of just mix in again just keeping the songs from getting stagnant yeah the 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 album does slap pretty hard uh tours really gets to show off his vocals in a lot of these songs and it's really neat to see that how he's grown vocally over the years and honestly, I've been saying for years that Landon Tours is one of the better voices in modern metal. Mm-hmm. And it's just always been kind of like one of those sleepers uh, comments that I've made. Like, people don't believe me. And then he puts out things like this. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm right. There, there was a <laughs> lot of the, the vocal performances on here that I was really impressed with. But there were... Um, 
a couple of instances where I was listening, and I don't know if it was just the quality of the um, the speaker I was listening to from it, um, potentially mixing. I don't know, but there were a couple parts where his voice sounded um, scratchy in a way and just kind of unpleasant. And I don't know what factor it could be that was causing it. Um, but there was I'm going with crappy speakers, cause... and that that honestly <laughs> could be it. Um, Lyrically, what were you thinking on this record, man? Uh, hopelessness, pain, and depressive episodes are recurring themes lyrically throughout this album. And mm-hmm. according to an interview that Tours did, um, which has an unconfirmed source, I found it on deadpress.co.uk as well as broadwayworld.com, but neither of them actually indicated that they were the interviewers. So I don't know where the interview came from. I just know that he did it and he said these things. Um, but that the album doesn't really offer any hope. But on the other side of it, it feels a lot more liberating than it did when he first went into it. Okay. And I get that. Like, reading through the lyrics on these songs, like, none of them are happy songs. No. And, like, the cl- like most of them are pretty just depressive or angry. Mm-hmm. And the closest you get would be, like, something more morose, like, uh, Too Far Gone. Yeah. Where... It's still not happy, but it's not angry. Right. Yeah, and the um, each song seems to do one of a couple things, at least that I've kind of that I had kind of noticed reading through. Talk about regret related to someone who has passed. Regret related to how one person treated the other in a friendship slash relationship. It's a very introspective record into the individual and how they've affected and been affected by others. Um, if you look at most of, if not all of the songs, they're pretty packed with words. I mean, you, you there's a lot to to read into. And the other cool thing is there's a vagueness to the lyrics, but it's direct enough that it gets the point across. Yeah, it's got a very low repetitive count, and mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I feel like that's something that we see less and less nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I think, and especially when songs are getting a little bit more, and it sounds like the plot news definitely kind of moved in this direction, where it's if you're starting to get more poppy, is you're going to be getting more of that repetition in the lyrics. So um, that that's a good point that you actually just made right there. Let's jump real quick into the artwork review. Um, So we look at the cover, and it's a naked woman laying on a bed while I believe an also naked man um, stands by the side of the bed over on the right side of the photo. There's light shining on both individuals, but it appears to be coming from up above, and um, and it almost looks as though there are bars blocking some of the light that's coming in. Um... What are you thinking with this one? I honestly don't even know what to think. Like, there, there's the another interesting feature of this is that it doesn't have the band name and it doesn't have the yeah. uh, album title on it. Um, and the the best interpretation I would come up with is going to be something that would really take a while to dive into. But basically, there's the old adage that a swung a swan doesn't make a sound until it dies and that's mm-hmm. it's swan song it's its final noise now this is largely un- untrue and swans do actually make sounds yeah. especially when they're angry because swans are basically just geese <laughs> on steroids <laughs> again different podcast entirely yeah we're not wild green memes here uh <laughs> wild green memes for ecological fiends man it's yeah. my favorite facebook group anyway uh i i feel like there, there's kind of that essence in uh, what we would assume here would be a sexual encounter between the two mm-hmm. individuals, which oftentimes 
can kind of have those same things. Uh, the the swan song can be representative of different things, depending on where you at, where you are at personally with this person, with yourself, and so mm-hmm. on. So there's a lot that can be unpacked there. I don't know that we really want to take the time to go into that. No. Uh, but yeah, there, there's potentially something there, or it's potential that. It's just an artsy fartsy picture that they just pick for the yeah, and that very well could be, (laughs) and yeah, and it you know like you said it may be just a situation where we we're just trying to find some relevance to it, but that's just not there. But it's like trying to find the art in aborted, and their songs about poop. There there is no true art behind it, other than the fact that it's just a song written about poop. Yeah. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and jump into the track by track breakdown. <laughs> that might have been the smoothest transition we've ever had in this podcast. Uh, I'm not going to make the joke. Uh, so we're going to move straight into. <laughs> I'm disappointed you are not making the joke. Smooth move, x uh, <laughs> Stupid. We're going to jump into the first song, Letters to a Dead Friend. Matt, why don't you go ahead and kick us off here? Yeah, so this one I found to be a, a really interesting opener. Uh, we get it primarily performed vocally with an almost spoken uh, kind of singing style over an instrumental that's pretty minimalist, reminding me of some of the modern pop songs that we hear today. Uh, there's a sort of, quote, thumping bass that adds to this, kind of just, again, really playing into that modern pop sound. Um at the end, I was actually really surprised with the uh, screaming vocals that we get. There's some of it that's kind of pulled back in the mix, and then it gets brought up to the forefront just to kind of close out the song. Yeah, the kicking off the album, like we, it, it's a very split song. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the song feels like a progression of the stages of grief over the loss of someone who's no longer in their life. We see the song shift from this very morose, somber side to this very heavy and angry execution that begins laying the groundwork for the rest of the album really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, I wouldn't say like all five stages of grief, but I, I feel like it kind of walks through kind of like the middle section where you're angry, depressed. Um, you never hit acceptance. It, mm-hmm. We never really see denial in here. There's right. another one in there that I'm forgetting. There's, there's five stages. But either way, yeah, yeah it, 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 it feels like it, it focuses really heavily on that middle part where I feel like is the part where most folks will struggle the most. Um, well, I guess that's obvious. Most folks are going to struggle with that part of it uh, just because getting to acceptance is not an easy journey. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Okay, yeah, so we definitely see bargaining in this song because mm-hmm. he, he's talking about how he wishes he could take their place. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we see anger, we see bargaining, and we see depression. Yeah, literally the the middle three. And yeah. honestly, that's that's exactly true. And I feel like the, um, you know, we really see those three stages of grief throughout a lot of the record. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, there really isn't any denial. There's not any acceptance. No. It just really resides in those three. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's maybe just a, a line that we're drawing or if that's actually like, kind of what Lannon was going for uh, with this album, but I feel like it's probably a healthy blend of the two. It, it very well could be. So following up is the song Fall Again, and we get a little bit of musical whiplash here um, compared to the first song, but um, Gabe, why don't you kind of tell me what you're thinking? Yeah, th- this song is one of the heaviest on the album for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, lyrically, it feels like it's about drug abuse and the effect that it has on loved ones. 
um, though this song, like the rest of the album, just doesn't offer any sort of resolution or hope with that. The breakdown is stupid nasty, and Tours breaks out these low growls that just devastate this track. Mm-hmm. I was I was very happy with this, and the chorus is great. Yeah. No, and this one, um, again, we're, you know, bringing the metalcore vibes, and I was actually pretty surprised on, on listening to this. It doesn't get too heavy instrumentally, but it has exactly what it needs to be heavy enough and actually allow the song to separate itself from the prior song. The chaotic portion at the about two minute 20 mark was really cool to hear um, is just because bands don't really do that. Is it there was a lot of like scratchy elements Mm -hmm. and it just added again, just something we don't see. Typically we're hearing like pick scrapes and just straight breakdowns but not nothing like that or at least not yeah, enough they're tuned down so low <laughs> how low I, I, I don't even know like it, it just <laughs> I, I, don't, I really don't have a real answer for you i'm actually trying to find out right now but like it, it is just it's so low that like when it hits you're just like ooh. ooh. they have it tuned down to dumb <laughs> dumb dumb I hope yeah, you're keeping I, I that joke in there. I don't know what that is. I mean, I probably will because I don't have time to really edit these as of late. This is I fair. just throw them together and hopefully that you don't say something stupid that I have to cut out later <laughs> on. Um, yeah, so we're just going to go ahead and move on past that. I can't find it. Good enough. Uh, we jump into the uh, the first single off of this album, Face Me. The Yeah, I I like this song a lot. This one, this one is really cool, and especially the chorus on this one, I really like. Uh, we return to vibes similar to the opening song, but we get a little bit more harsher vocals sprinkled through it, the song more often, uh, where everything was really put towards the end of "Letters to a Dead Friend." Is we're seeing them mixed throughout, and the, honestly, this song really stuck out in the initial listen and anything after that. So. It gets a pretty solid for me. Yeah, th- th- this one. Um, so, th- like, like I said, this is the first single that was written, and this is the one that caught my attention to do mm-hmm. the record. Uh, I was already a really big fan of Dispose, and which is the album previous to this, and right. the big song, which is really like their most popular song currently, is uh, the song "Feel Nothing." Uh, and it from that album, or sorry, nope, I'm good. Uh, yes, yeah, so I was a big fan of that song. This song feels like swan songs feel nothing. Okay. And I, I really like it. They're, they introduce a lot more electronic elements in this song, shaking it up from the previous track, but it's still in flavor. Like It, it feels like a, a logical progression on how the album should progress. And I, I really liked it. Like, I can't really say that enough. The ending was super neat, and I didn't want this track to end. Yeah. No, and, and like, yeah, that's... Yeah. Let's jump into the next one. Uh, is Too Far Gone and... Might be my favorite chorus on the record. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a strong pop element in the vocal delivery. I mean, it's catchy. The melody is solid, and then we get some pop and some of the heavier vibes instrumentally, keeping consistent with really what the band has provided thus far on the record. Yeah, the, the, this song is one of Tour's best vocal performances on the album, hands down. Mm-hmm. Like the the emotion is really felt, and it's honestly really pretty. Yeah, and again, this goes back to what I've been saying about Landon's voice. Like he has this just gnarly scream about him that just is so raw and so full of emotion. But then when he dials it back and he's just singing as well, like it's just beautiful. And people don't seem to get that. And I'll 
fight people on it till the day <laughs> I die. <laughs> he um, will fight people. Y- yes, I will. The the second verse introduces some really neat delayed guitar lines that really add to the overall building of the song. And then the third verse leading into the second chorus is honestly just one of my favorite parts, hands down, on this one. Really? Okay. I'll have to I'll have to sit down and listen to that because I don't think I caught the uh, the guitar line that you're talking about. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of quiet. You have to listen to it with it mm-hmm. pretty loud. Okay. To to catch it, but it's 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 pretty. It's pretty. Pretty. Uh, then we go into things that aren't so pretty, which is paradigm. Uh, this song takes number one on the tr- on the album for me. I mean, you were kind of singing this right before we yeah, started recording. <laughs> but, dude, the main riff on this one is super scratchy, mm-hmm. but it it's, like, a good scratchy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, it, the chorus is such a standout part on this album, much less the song. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's just so catchy. Um, the soaring pitch screams that Landon does on this track is just nothing short of extraordinary and honestly rivals what uh, Sam Carter does with Architects. Mm-hmm. The main riff is super nasty, super awesome. The pre-breakdown riff is just dummy thick, and going into the full breakdown, it feels like something Beartooth would write, and I felt, I just I loved every second of it. Lyrically, it's about idolizing and worshiping artists of any sort who don't care to bother with how their message impacts others and how they're stupid for that, mm-hmm. and I love that. Like th- From beginning to end, from second one to well, whatever however long this song is like i loved it yeah there's not a thing i would change about it the the cool thing about the so i made a note here is the aggressive delivery in the the vocals be, being that um the pitch screaming that you had explained could be i looked at it as a turn off to some um and i don't know if it might just be because of the just kind of the pitch of it but i think really the the delivery of it is what actually provides the charm to this song and i think it also helps to really add the weight to the message that's being conveyed lyrically so you, as as someone who i'm i'm starting to find myself kind of really picky with my pitch like listening to who's doing the pitch screams in music is um this this is one of the instances where i see it's been done right and i really like that it actually adds something to the song that works Mm -hmm. yeah i i'm I'm just gonna keep rambling on about how much i love this song so (laughs) we'll we'll jump into the uh the song both to blame how you feeling about this one matt so I find the song to be a bit forgettable, in my opinion. Um, we really see the the song go to a formula that's extremely common these days, being the very slow, minimalist verses with the bigger choruses. It just doesn't provide the same kind of energy and same, just the same something as the other songs on the record. I get that. Um, it, it does slow it down after five back-to-back bangers on this yeah. album. and. Like it's every album's gonna have a low point, and I Mm -hmm. feel like this is it for this one. And I say that reservedly like the chorus is still catchy and clean, it's a good breath of fresh air jumping into the next track. And Mm -hmm. I'd like, I agree with you, it's not my favorite song on the record, but at the same time, like, I feel like if it wasn't there, it would be a little overbearing, yeah, Uh, especially as we jump into the next track here in a second. Too heavy, like, that's a good song, and we might as well just go ahead and, and jump into that. Um, it continues the train of easing it up with too heavy, but we see the band still take it in a more airy electronica vibe for this song. Mm-hmm. And it the song definitely belongs on the album. Yeah, I feel like it's again, it's that healthy progression of how the album 
should go for what they're trying to communicate here. Yeah, no, exactly. And the the first line I have here is posty time. <laughs> it's it's an extremely poppy song, and I'm really digging this. Vocally, it's absolutely solid. Landon just continues to really show off what he's capable of doing. And even though the instrumentals aren't super heavy on this one, is they complement Landon and allow him to really do whatever he wishes vocally. So allow him to kind of explore his range, uh, which honestly we've kind of been seeing just all over the place. So it's like, you know, one song you'll see this part of his range and then another song you'll mm-hmm. see this, but you'll get to see pretty much the entirety of it throughout the record. Yep. I have that in my notes and I have the bang compliments it really well. Yeah. It's part of my notes too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Uh, why don't you go ahead and bring us in the next one so the next one we're looking at is the song titled enemy and the song's really an interesting one in compositions Mm -hmm. we get the slow verse which we've seen quite a bit here on the record the chorus keeps the vibe the same in the first um let me restructure the sentence because i i had a hard time making so the first (laughs) half of the chorus keeps the vibe the same as the verse Mm -hmm. but the second half of the chorus then kind of picks it up and we start to hear landon and the the rest of the band kind of cut loose a little bit but it never gets completely just like i say here on the podcast a lot balls to the wall heavy but then until the end of breakdown yeah and then we just get this surprise breakdown that just absolutely hits really on paper the composition shouldn't make sense but somehow it does when listening to it yeah definitely like so this is the second single from this album and in contrast to face me the listener was set up really well to expect the, the these songs uh, or the songs like these two and the logical conclusion between the two uh, mm-hmm. on this album I really like this song. It feels dirty and grungy while still having the beautiful aspect that the plot and you is able to bring on these new records. And then again, when that breakdown hits, the downtune nature of these songs just sets fire to the track. Like it is stupid that they did that. Yeah. <laughs> like in a good way. I, I really like it. Yeah, no, and, and, and being that it's the second to last song on the record is you almost don't Third want it. I think I missed a whole song. <laughs> awesome. All right. So now that we figured out that Matt is not very smart. Yeah. yeah that, that's, that, that's the term I was going to use. Uh, we'll go ahead and move into the next track, Hole Without Me. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. The Dude, the electronic elements on this one are strong. And the cool thing is we get a little bit of everything from the rest of the record, making this feel like a good way to start kind of wrapping everything up Mm -hmm. here on the record, um, being the second to last song. We get ambient guitar in the back, which adds adding really to the atmosphere that was kind of a tasty addition. Breakdown in this one groove, and Landon just sounds like he's got some things to get off his chest. Yeah, for like the first minute of the song, we're fed like these really intricate ethereal electronic elements. And then a minute and 17 seconds, we're just met with this wall of bludgeoning sound that makes this track honestly a sleeper on this record. Mm-hmm. The breakdown on this song is one of my favorites, and I honestly can't believe someone in the studio let them get away with something that heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's this one was just... Uh, one might say it's top tier. Yes. No, it, it was... It was st- Stupid nasty, and I loved it. Yeah. And closing out the track by track, we have Freed and Gabe. Tell me about it. The, oh man. 
the, the more I more I listen to this song, the more it grows on me. The beginning is a bit slow, but once it kicks in, it really closes out this album well. Mm-hmm. It just feels like a closing track, and while I don't really have much to add about this song, it was a really great closer to the album. Yeah. This one, um, as you just said, it slows it down at the beginning, and again, we see a lot of the elements that uh, from the rest of the record just kind of converging all into one. What really surprised me about this was there was a point where there should have been a breakdown like we're typically used to, but we get just a different type of breakdown, and it I can't really explain it. I just recommend listening to the song, and you, um, if you're familiar with just kind of the setup for a lot of breakdowns, is you'll you'll know exactly what portion of it um, that I'm talking about. But this song's really cool. Um, I'm really digging on it. But that's gonna do it for our breakdown of Swan Song by The Plot and You. And right now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna provide our tentacle rating, where we rate the album on a scale of one to eight tentacles. And Gabe, how high are you putting this one? Man, I I'm a, I'm having a hard time with this one. Really, I am because. I, I'm honestly thinking I'm going to be putting it in an eight. I really like this record. Wow. Okay. Because like I, I I was sitting on the seven point five realm, and then I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? Commit, Gabe. We don't do halvesies here. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike certain co-hosts who won't be mentioned. So I'm, I'm I'm dropping it in an eight, man. Like yeah, I I really like this record from beginning to end. I feel like it's a great evolution from what the plot and you began doing in Dispose, mm-hmm. and I really can't wait to see what they do more with it later on. Uh, th- th- this this album was a really good album. Okay, really good album. No, th- this one's really good. So my so my mine's lower than yours. Um, and I think yeah, and I think part of it is um, you know I've heard the band's name for a number of years, and this really is my first go at listening to the band. Um, so right now I'm sitting somewhere between like a five and a six. Um, I'm intrigued enough by the record that I want to come back to it, and it also makes me want to explore the rest of the band's discography just to kind of understand where they came from and kind of seeing into what they're coming into. Um, but really, it's it. there's a lot of good going for the record that, again, makes me want to do that, kind of like what Era did for me and some of the other bands here on the uh, that we've really reviewed on the podcast. So... Five and a six. So I honestly, I think I'm gonna have to go. I, I think I'm gonna have to just go five and a half right now. Um, so remember that I commit. <laughs> oh, I can't. This, I is, don't this isn't know. a sixteen rating system. This is an eight rating system, <laughs> which makes it. Well, I guess it would make it half as hard since eight is half. Of, we're not a math <laughs> podcast, so we're going to jump right into the hidden track where we could talk about something in the realm of music that maybe isn't tied to this record in particular. And um, I'll kind of just jump right into it. Go for it. Dude, Azalea Dying dropped a new song. Did they now? So this one's titled Roots Below, and it's it's pretty par for the course for the band, to is be it, completely is it a cover honest. Song? <laughs> 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 I see what you did there. <laughs> so um, when I was looking at the song's description on YouTube is the song was written with the intention of being put on the Shaped by Fire album, but it was actually, it just needed a little bit of extra time for the band to perfect. Uh, it very much would have fit perfectly. Josh's cleans in the chorus on this one just absolutely take off, making this really my favorite part of the song along with the solo in it, which naturally, honestly kind of 
reminded me of Metallica um, compared to some of the other solos that the band has done. The song is supposed to be released with the Shaped by Fire Deluxe Edition along with a number of live songs as well as instrumentals of the version, um, instrumental versions of the songs from the bass record. Um, cool. Not sure a release date on that, but um, that's that's the first news I've heard of it. And this is the first song that they've released um, actually since Nick Hippa left. Okay. Um, he's no longer with the band, but I believe believe all of this stuff was recorded with him still in the band so um it is kind of interesting um seeing that they are moving forward not sure how they're going to address replace if they're going to replace nick or if they're just going to move forward with only phil on guitar so it's kind of interesting to see how that'll go yeah yeah this week for me i've got the um the new fit for an autopsy track so uh, they they (sighs) released this track and they did an album announcement album's going to be coming out in january uh, called Oh What the Future Holds and it's uh oh man this track is heavy <laughs> this it, 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 it's a it's definitely a slow burn kind of track but I feel like Fit for an Autopsy has definitely perfected that mm-hmm. and I I am so excited to see what they what they do with it as somebody who sat here and watched Gabe's reaction to the song and also got to hear it for the first time myself yeah, I just it, it just helps solidify the fact that they're one of my favorite bands, yeah. and I'm I'm super excited for this to to come out. I'm definitely gonna be picking up a flag of that album cover because it like it's such a pretty album cover. It really is for something that's gonna be so not pretty in in a sense. And, oh, it's um, yeah. I'm just I'm so ready for this. Yeah, no, um, it, that the the song I was really impressed by because I was I remember we were sitting here and I'm sitting here I'm like, okay. Like they're they're building for a breakdown, so I'm like, ooh, get ready, get ready, and then it just kind of drops off, and I was like, oh, the song's an end, that's kind of cool, and then the breakdown hits, yeah, and, and I was like, hits excuse with those, me, what? Drop G sharp, whatever tunings <laughs> they use, it's just super low and just so nasty, and like it, it comes out in January next year, so obviously it'll be a contender for next year's album of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's possible. It's just gonna be it's an early completely possible. So I'm I'm really excited for that, but um. That is going to do it for today's podcast. Uh, we do appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. We uh, do also have a variety of social media, so if you could please follow us on there uh, at Tentacle Bop on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, and on YouTube. But no Twitter. Yes, no Twitter because I, I don't honestly really should have a Twitter. It's another marketing tool that we could use so we could garner more followers. So we'd have four instead of three. Yeah, but that's a conversation for a different time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do also appreciate it if you like, rate, and subscribe to us on any of the. Uh, uh, streaming services that you use so whether that's Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music uh, Amazon Google Podcasts, really wherever you also listen to it, we do appreciate it uh, this is going to be our midweek episode so be sure to tune back into us on Friday for when we break down the new Bad Flower record, This Is How the World Ends, which uh, we're going to have some spicy takes on a big feeling. spice Feeling it's, it's going to be a lot of Matt and I fighting on that record probably, so uh, yeah, tune in next time, and in the meantime, we will see you later, catch you in the next one